Heads up, everybody. I'm B. Francis Clark. And I'm Anton Anderson. And this is Sky is Black, future-facing conversations with experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs of African descent. Covering the worldwide African diaspora. Worldwide, baby. Worldwide. Shout out to Mandy Bowman. Mandy is the founder and CEO of Official Black Wall Street, a digital platform helping consumers discover, review, and shop quality black-owned businesses. You can follow her on Twitter at Mandy X Bowman, M-A-N-D-Y-X-B-O-W-M-A-N, and learn more about Official Black Wall Street at www.obws.com. Great stuff there. Shout out to Ruby Bridges. Yes, yes. You guys have all have heard about her. If you haven't, you've definitely seen the imagery of her because she became a national icon at six years old when she integrated William France Elementary School in New Orleans. There was a, a painting by Norman Rockwell illustrating that, and it's, it was an iconic moment. So we've talked a little bit before about the book that was coming out about her, and now it's out. It's out. It's called I Am Ruby Bridges, written what? by Ruby herself, and... We had mentioned this before because the art is by one of our favorites, Nicholas Smith. Yes, yes. And you can find out more about all of these things. Find out more about Ruby at rubybridges.foundation. You can find out more about Nicholas Smith and see the amazing ongoing canon of work that he's doing at nicholas.art. That's N-I-K-K-O-L-A-S dot art. And the book, once again, I Am Ruby Bridges, coming out right as we are recording. And shout out to Tina Opie. Dr. Tina Opie is founder and chief vision officer at Opie Consulting Group and the author of the upcoming book, Shared Sisterhood, How to Take Collective Action for Racial and Gender Equity at Work. You can follow her on Twitter at Dr. Tina Opie, T-I-N-A-O-P-I-E, and learn more at drtinaopie.com, D-R-T-I-N-A-O-P-I-E.com. Shout out to Mary Peltola. She is the first Native Alaskan senator and was just elected to represent the great state of Alaska. You know, we are so down for, regardless of party, representation by people who are from there every day is indigenous day every day is indigenous day you can find out more about mary hear her backstory learn more about that at marypeltola.com that's m-a-r-y-p-e-l-t-o-l-a.com and shout out to the team at chapa chapa c-h-a-p-a is empowering Ethiopian vendors to get paid by anyone anywhere in the world right on you can follow them on twitter at Chapa underscore ET and learn more at www.chapa, C H A P A dot CO. Shout out to Dorfis Jean. She's a Haitian writer mm-hmm. and she has a new comic book series coming out. It's a Kickstarter project based on Haitian maroon leader Francois Macandal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you read a little bit of the backstory of that, and I mean, he was amazing. But you can go to kickstarter.com or you can find out more about that project and the other things that Dorfis is doing at Spirits Destiny Universe on Instagram. But the project itself about Mackendall is on Kickstarter. Mackendall, 
rise up. Seriously. Mockendal, rise up. And thank you, fellow Swayfarers, for joining us in the Pure Vibranium Circle. So, we are a global podcast, and so we have to give a shout out to our brothers and sisters in Santa Barbara, in Indianapolis, and Chester, and Dodoma, and Guayaquil, and Ngozi, and Dijon, and Manitoba, and Liverpool, and Palermo, and Rockport, and Cali, as in Colombia, and everywhere the African diaspora is holding down a Wakanda supper. And speaking of which, yes. I saw a map the other day yeah. from Visual Capitalist that showed just how many countries could fit inside the motherland. Beyond the countries that are there? Yes. Beyond the countries that are there. Yes. Beyond the countries that are there. And what's really interesting about that is that, you know, when you see the, quote, traditional globes or traditional maps with the, and I always mispronounce the name, the Mercator projection. I always say Mercator, but. Um, um, but when you look at that projection, it shows Greenland as being bigger than the continent of Africa. And part of it has to do with, you know, how do you project a three-dimensional globe sphere spheroid for you purists onto a flat surface and so you're you're destined to get some sort of distortion or some kind of a a break in it but in particular that traditional view makes europe and north america visually much larger than south america and africa and so you think that africa is kind of like a smaller place whereas frankly greenland actually isn't that much bigger than madagascar so here's the list of countries that would be able to fit in the motherland. The United States, China, India, Mexico, Peru, France, Spain, Papua New Guinea, Sweden, Japan, Germany, Norway, Italy, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Greece could all fit in the motherland. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. Yes. That's how big of a space it is. And so that's what's interesting is that, you know, often people say, oh, well, out there in Africa, like it's one monolithic place. Africa is a country. Please don't get it twisted. (laughs) But geographically is so big and it's almost hard to fathom when you think about it. And so when you think about having the, the footprint of all these other countries fit within the boundaries of the African continent makes you realize what a large and diverse and amazing place it is. So if you're not a person of African descent, why should you care? Why should you share? And why should you subscribe to this podcast? Well, just going back to the whole idea with the map. I mean, when you think about the size of the African continent and the people who come from there, Unlike what you see on some of those maps where it seems like this small, diminished place, it's massive. Mm-hmm. And so it behooves you, if you're a citizen of the world, that's right, to have some awareness of it, have some understanding of it, and especially given the fact that there's been so much repression of people from the African diaspora that for us as global citizens, so let's just go there for a moment. You should know about it. If you've got 10 fingers on your hand, you don't want to neglect, even if you think that it's not important, 
all of your fingers are important. You want to make sure, especially the ones that are having some challenges or that have been held back, you want to make sure that everyone is strong so that way all of us as a people, as humanity, can be strong and move forward. Amen. And another reason to subscribe to this podcast is because we are having a conversation that needs to be had. Because really, what else is there to talk about other than how we're going to build a better world for ourselves and for our children? Yes. I mean, should we really waste one second of life talking about the Kardashians? I mean, see, I already did it and I regret it (laughs) already. already We've just spent five seconds on that. I'll never get those five seconds back. And to think that I wasted it on all that drama. (laughs) So today, we continue our ongoing and glorious conversation. We will finally reach Africatown and have the most salient discussion we've ever had on this podcast. We will do money moves and talk about wealth strategies that have produced some of America's black millionaires. We're also going to talk about an African-American group that is opposing the return of the Benin Bronzes. We're going to highlight a Pan-African AI conference that will be taking place at, wait for it, the new Science and Technology Museum in Addis Ababa. Right on. But we're also going to discuss a few films, including one you can see for free called Ghosts of Amistad. And we will talk about all the events that we didn't mention in our last episode, plus a few more. And, if that wasn't enough, we are going to reflect right now on our conversation with Nahum Teklu, who was featured in episode 35. Our generation really has to focus on this study, the local aspect of architecture, the local wisdom, you know, the vernacular uh, thinking of building spaces and urban areas, you know. So there is so much in uh, untapped potential. I think Nahum was really fascinating. I mean, the whole idea of city making and city planning as this participatory activity really should be about the people who live there. And it was interesting because when we asked him to you know, pin it down to say, hey, what would you do? He very frequently would turn back and say, well, I would go grab so-and-so or I go grab, you know, all these other people. And so I thought... A ground-up philosophy. Yeah, I really appreciated... That And not only does it speak to his humility, but it also speaks Mm -hmm. to his dedication to the places really serving those who will be living and visiting and working there. Some of the things that we didn't talk about, which I hope to talk about next time, where did he grow up? You know, what current architects does he admire? I also wanted to get his take on the situation in Lagos. But anyway, it was a good conversation. I can't wait to have more conversations with him because that is our true brother indeed. So, Nahum, that was a sneak preview of our questions for our follow-up next conversation. And we also have to point out, too, that he was recently on a radio show in Addis with our dear brother, Dawit, Mm -hmm. who we welcomed in episode 28, entitled Build Black Better. Now, one could argue that these two brothers side by side is just too much passion and too much preservation power for one conversation. But we say, no, it is not. Not only are they preserving our heritage, but they are spearheading 
the building of Wakanda in this world. They are helping make sure that not only that there is actual African architecture currently being built, but also to document and capture the architecture that's existed there for centuries. So if you want to hear Brothers Dawit and Nahum and find out what a truly awesome conversation sounds like in Amharic, go to skiesblack.com. We will have a link to that conversation for you. And also, quick little comment, you might need some kind of translation tool, and there is a great translation service and company that is partnered with our sister to meet, and you can find it at lesan.ai. You're going to hear more about this in upcoming weeks, but again, it is lesan.ai. Now, one of the things that Nahum said in our conversation is that he would love to design a Pan-African museum in Addis. And that brings us to this particular thing, which was a shock to me. Now, there's been some pushback from a certain African-American group regarding the return of the Benin bronzes. It's crazy. It is crazy. The story comes to us from Yahoo News, and this is what they said. The New York-based Restitution Study Group, which runs legal campaigns to secure reparations for the descendants of slaves, has written to the Charity Commission to request that it keep the Benin bronzes in UK museums. The letter states, We ask that you reject any request to transfer them to Nigeria. The Kingdom of Benin through Nigeria would be unjustly enriched by repatriation of these relics. Black people do not support slave trader heirs just because they are black. Nigeria and the Kingdom of Benin have never apologized for enslaving our ancestors. We ask that you not approve the transfer of these relics. Now, part of this feels like legitimately fake news, or at least bait-and-switch news. But I'm not going to disparage or discount this report without cause. But what is your response to this? Well, they do have a point in that, you know, the... The slave trade was not 100%, you know, you go and you grab your your shopping cart and you throw some black people in it and you go away. Um, There were people on the other side saying, oh yeah, my enemy that I don't really like that much, come take him. You know, if if you're having your enemy shipped off, you know, that is certainly one, one way to respond to your enemies. The other thing, though, is that the fact of the matter is is that Great Britain and these other powers were unfairly enriched by taking, essentially, the, the spoils of war. And much in the same way that we are requesting you know, artwork that was looted in Germany during World War II to be returned to the rightful owners good news is you can actually trace those errors a little bit more directly. But in lieu of being able to, to restore those things to individuals, I think that if nothing else, it is a symbolic gesture to return the indigenous works to where they belong. Should people apologize for their part of the slave trade? Yes, <laughs> of course. But I think that that is a separate issue 
from the returning of cultural artifacts, returning of the heritage back to its home. Forgiveness is always a beautiful thing, but my take is this letter is ridiculous. So, back in the real world, there's been a wonderful exhibition and celebration that has just concluded in Cotonou uh, that was built around 26 specific objects that have been returned to the motherland. And by all accounts, it was a great exhibition. Nice. You can learn more about that particular event and see the items, those 26 items, at Expo Art Benin. Expo Art Benin. So, going back to Nahum again for a second. Like our brother Fanwell and our brother Solomon Casa, he has been experimenting with the AI art platform Midjourney and creating some really intriguing images around architecture and culture and some other things. You can check that out if you follow him on Twitter, as you should. But I bring this up because it is time for us to play What Would Anton Do and What Would Anton Say? So, the Colorado State Fair, you know all about Colorado because you just had a wonderful experience in Denver, and we won't talk about that right now, but the Colorado State Fair has an annual art competition with categories in painting, quilting, sculpture, and they also have one for digital art. And this year, an artist won the competition by using the AI platform Midjourney. So, needless to say, there was an uproar about this, even though he was very upfront about what he used to make the image. But what we want to know is, what would Anton say to those who say that he won unfairly? I would say that... I would say that as long as he's disclosing that he's using an AI, I would say no. If you are secretly using an AI, that's a little bit of a different thing. Because, frankly, digital artwork is a new media anyway. Mm -hmm. It's a new medium. And much much like when painters had a huge uproar with this newfangled thing called photography and said, oh, it's going to put painters out of business and it's going to destroy artwork and photography is not art. We all know now that it is. And even if you take it a step further, well, let's take a half step further and talk about algorithmic photography where you know your smartphone or whatever other device is is algorithmically actually taking the picture. So it isn't simply just photons hitting the sensor, but then they're being manipulated and you've got HDR, high dynamic, high dynamic range, you know, where it's taking multiple images and sort of blending them together. You know, there's already a little bit of that AI aspect to even photography, which we all think of as being fairly canonical in terms of, you know, really representing the the, the fact of the image as it's taken, you know, even prior to manipulation. But t- going now further down towards digital imagery and digital artwork, I think that, quite frankly, it's another tool in the toolkit. You know, you want, I mean, if you secretly say, no, this was all me, well, that's a little different. 
But I think that if you said, yes, this was image was produced using Photoshop and Midjourney or, or Dolly or some of the other ones that are out there. Doll to the E. I think that, you know, I think that that's okay. I mean, it takes, if you ever look at how these things work, you know, they, they're essentially tools at this stage. And so, you know, there still has to be some level of curation and manipulation and interaction with the AI in order to produce that artwork. And part two, what would Anton do to manage and create a level playing field for digital art competitions going forward? State your tools. You know, I mean, just like when you look at a painting, it's, you know, it's, it's oil on canvas. It's, you know, acrylic on paper. It, you know, often the work, the artwork is described not only in terms of what it is, the title of the, of the piece, but also the materials used. And that speaks to, it speaks to sort of the, the artistry, sort of the, the technical artistry of the artist. And so I would say in the, in the digital realm, I would say that similarly, describe what you used. You know, it is, you know, Pixelmator with Dali. It's Photoshop with Midjourney, you know, something along those lines. I don't have the exact answer, but it would be something like that. Keep it real. Keep it authentic. Keep it 100. Yay, even 110. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk black millionaires. We're going to go straight to Funky Town. Africa Town. Africa Town. And on that topic, I'm going to give you a little secret. If we can revive Africa Town, we can revive every Wakanda suburb, including one that might end up being the very location of Wakanda itself. Sky is Benin. Sky is black. Sky is Mackendall. Seriously, that dude was badass. Sky is Sky is Nahom. Sky is black. Sky is black. Heads up everybody, I'm B. Francis Clark. And I'm Anton Anderson. And we have some exciting news. Yeah, we're halfway through our year of Ujama. Halfway through. And whew, boy, has it been a journey. It's been a real journey for us to take this whole idea of redirecting our everyday consumer buying power and aim it towards black and black owned businesses a teftastic journey <laughs> check us out our episodes you'll learn more about what we mean by that because the idea is that ujama you know of course means cooperative economics and the idea has been to take you know whatever small percentage is at least in our households has been of our everyday buying going 110 baby to 110 yeah and the aiming towards 110 exactly 110 (laughs) percent but even taking like whatever the percentage is let's say it's like two or three percent and just doubling that would make a huge impact on these businesses because they're small businesses and so our idea and when you listen to our episodes is to try to find ways everyday ways to not just have a one-off sale and be a sale but to be an ongoing, recurring customer. Quite frankly, it hasn't been easy, so go listen to our episodes and follow us as we go on that path 
to making Ujamaa happen every single day. The journey to 110. <laughs> Join us, Gary Ujamaa. Ujamaa math, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to Sky is Black. The University of Houston has partnered with Black Women in AI and the University of Houston Computational Biomedicine Lab to create the future Black Women in Computer Science Research Assistantship. The deadline for application is September 9th, which means right this very second. So if you want to get your Ph.D. or you know someone who needs to get their Ph.D. in computer science or artificial intelligence, please visit blackwomeninai.com slash Ph.D. Get on that. What we're going to talk about right now is the rebirth of Africatown. Now, of all the conversations that we have had, this one right now, to me, exemplifies what this podcast is all about. It is future-facing. It honors a Wakanda suburb. demonstrates the value of infinite Sankofaism. And as you will see in a second, what we're about to do is the very concrete, the very vibranium that will pave the road to Wakanda. What the hell am I talking about, you say? You will see that in a second. Now, for those of you who don't know what Africa Town is, it is a town founded by former enslaved brothers and sisters who were illegally brought to the United States right around the time of the Civil War. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, slavery in the United States was illegal before the Civil War, so what was illegal about it? The slave trade is yes. what was illegal. Yes. So, bringing new slaves in after 1808, yes, had been banned. However, 110 slaves were smuggled into Mobile, Alabama, aboard a ship, uh, and they actually had to actually burn the ship at the shore to try to hide the evidence, which was found recently. the The ship Cotilda, so yes. they actually found it, and so. These were people who were ethnic Yoruba, Iwe, Fon. You know, a lot of them you know, ended up creating their own community. It's about maybe maybe three or four miles north of downtown Mobile, Alabama. It's actually been a functioning, legitimate town since then. It actually grew to a decent size for a minute, but is actually now down to just a few thousand residents at the most and is really facing an existential crisis of existence. And it's too bad because, I mean, one of the things is that they were able to maintain many of those West African customs all the way up until the 1950s, including preserving language, preserving traditions, and it was an actual really wonderful example of how people were able to preserve it. You know, a lot of traditions you see in the black community here in America, you can trace them back and it becomes like a game of telephone, like oral tradition sort of diffused out a little bit, but these guys were able to maintain it pretty directly all the way up into the fifties. And so the city of Africa town has launched a contest to see if they can infuse a little vibranium Mm -hmm. into the situation. And it is called the Africatown International Design Idea 
competition. So it is described as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to imagine a revived Africa town with 16 land and water-edged venues on four sites across three cities that interpret and honor its history. So taken together, the 16 venues are destined to constitute a major new cultural heritage tourism destination system called the Africatown Cultural Mile. They believe it can attract millions of visitors and generate billions of dollars in revenue for the economy of Africatown and the cities of Pritchard and Chickasaw. Chickasaw, rise up. Chickasaw, rise up. And so for those of you who are wondering, well, why should I care about this? If you're able to bring more tourists, more people to come in and visit, they're going to spend their dollars, yes, in some black businesses, but they're also going to spend their dollars in the, and generate income and activity for the economy of that city and help the entire region move up and prosper. So they're hoping that the Africatown Cultural Mile will be a network of well-designed cultural amenities, welcome center and museums, the Clotilda Boathouse, performing arts venues, a signature spa hotel, water taxis, boutique retail restaurants, and more. Besides tourism amenities, the IDEA competition also seeks well-designed concepts for community amenities like new housing, school updates, and green spaces that attract new Africatown residents who can reinvigorate underserved neighborhoods in and near the Africatown Cultural Mile. So to me, this whole thing is fabulous. Yes. And this is what this podcast is all about, to bring it back. And, and part of it is that, you know, right now Africatown is a mostly within the city limits of Mobile, Alabama. And it was rezoned for industrial use. So there were like paper mills and all kinds of heavy industrial uses put into that community. It was zoned. So pay attention to zoning in your community. Zoning schmoning. No, zoning is everything. Zoning is everything. Zoning is everything. If your area is zoned for residential, then you can only put houses. But then if somewhere, you know... If there's, not, a, there's a deep racist history about zoning as well. Right, but which, that's my point. Which will, is that if, you know, when you hear about your city commissioner, your county commissioner, or whatever, having, you know, talk about rezoning, and it comes into your community, pay attention. Because while that doesn't dictate exactly what can be done in a place it does influence what's allowed in a place this is an opportunity for there to be some restoration and you can actually be involved in this process what i love about this is that anyone is eligible to submit design so here's what they say winning design should honor the africa town story anchor current and future redevelopment plans Preserve Africatown's unique cultural identity, spark community economic revitalization, and design should incorporate the latest digital technologies imbued with Wakanda forever Afrofuturistic sensibilities. Mm -hmm. That is what it is asking for. So, who is eligible to submit? Architects, students, designers, landscape architects, artists, individuals 
up to four members per team. So, in one of our previous episodes, we said we all need to be on the same page. And this is why we need to be on the same page. We all should know by now what four-member team should be leading this project, who should be winning this competition. While it is open to you and I, while it's open to all of our listeners, we know some folks who would make a great four-member team for this project. And who are those four people? I will tell you. Leslie Lowe to the Cull, yes. African Futures Institute, Miriam Kamara, David Ajay, Malene Barnett. Team of four who will be kicking AWS, taking names, bringing a Wakanda Forever Afrofuturistic sensibility to this project. And I'll shamelessly say, and I'm saying this because I'm spending his money, but Questlove, fund it. Just fund it because he's actually from there. And so, you know, I love that team, but sort of executive producer, Questlove. What I love is, is that actually you and I could submit to this competition. I mean, it is open to the public. It is open to students. It is open, open to architects of, of various kinds. And so. In- including ones like me who have no talents at all. Well, you do have talent. So I disregard. <laughs> not as an architect. <laughs> not as an architect, but it's looking for teams, architects graphic designers, urban planners, all those who sort of bring the appropriate sensibility to this particular project. And so that's what I actually love about it. That and it's I, and I take back what I said. Questlove, put me on your team. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be part of a team and we'll design something that's awesome. So again, it's open to architects, students, designers, landscape architects, artists, graphic artists, individuals, and the general public. Four members per team. The team that I'm drafting, if this is my, you know, fantasy Wakanda League, Leslie Loco, Miriam Kamara, David Ajay, Malene Barnett. Right on. I just love this whole thing. Taking a Wakanda suburb, taking a space and say, how can we turn this space around? How can we make it what it's supposed to be or what it can be, what it should be? If we can do it in Africatown, we can do it in Flint, we can do it in Detroit, we can do it in Soweto, we can do it in Lagos, we can do it in Addis Ababa, we can do it in Cairo, we can do it in Dakar, we can do it in all these spaces if we take this same approach to it. This, to me, is the key that can unlock the road to Wakanda. Exactly. I think it's a great model for this kind of restoration and rejuvenation. Restoration, rejuvenation, recovery, renaissance, resurrection. In the spirit of infinite Sankofanism. <laughs> All right, so let's also do some money moves. Funding for African startups is surging. That's according to Bloomberg. Case in point, African e-commerce platform Jumia, J-U-M-I-A, is on the rise with active consumers up 25%. Mm-hmm. Kenyan insurance disruptor Lamy Technologies, L-A-M-I Technology, has raised $3.7 million 
in a raise led by Harlem Capital. Harlem Capital, stand up. Right on. A free trade zone is being established in the Ethiopian city of Diradawa. Shout out to Fanwell Lul to boost the Ethiopian manufacturing sector. An AI health tech startup, Ubenwa, U-B-E-N-W-A, has raised $2.5 million in pre-seed funding for its technology based on infants and toddlers. VC firm We Capital, OUI, closed its $30 million second fund and will back sub-Saharan startups in the pre-seed and seed stages. You Verify, an identity verification company based in Lagos and San Francisco, has picked up a million-dollar seed fund extension, bringing its total to 2.5. Congratulations to you guys. And as I mentioned at the top, Ethiopian startup Chapa, C-H-A-P-A, has launched its payment gateway, which empowers Ethiopian vendors to get paid by anyone, anywhere in the world. And what is truly seismic news, Mm -hmm. Ethiopia has decided to open the country to foreign banks and foreign investment. This is huge. We will talk about this more in upcoming episodes. But this, again, is seismic. So that's big picture. And these are just some of the many, many, many money moves that are taking place in Wakanda suburbs all around the world. But if you're not an entrepreneur or venture capitalist, you still probably want to be a millionaire. And you, my dear brother, have been gaining some insights about how to make that happen. You know, I've had a chance to read a couple of books now by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. You got you to watch out for that book learning. <laughs> got to watch out for that. And in particular, he wrote Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, where he takes Napoleon. That's a, that's a strong choice right there. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, he takes, That's a beautiful choice. He takes the book by Napoleon Hill, which we've all heard about, Think and Grow Rich, and then applies and takes the perspective of black culture, whether we're talking about Spike Lee or Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Selma Burke, and takes that perspective and applies Napoleon Hill's philosophy to it. And I read that book many, many years ago, and it's actually a really fantastic book, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, um, by Dennis Kimbrough and Napoleon Hill. But more recently, I've read his latest book, which is called The Wealth Choice, which is subtitled Success Secrets of Black Millionaires. Strong choices. And what's interesting about that is that this is the result of a seven-year survey that he made where he reached out and talked to over a thousand of the wealthiest African-Americans to distill what things they had in common and what lessons could be learned. I must have missed that call. Did (laughs) did, did my office miss that call, that invitation? (laughs) For me, we're talking about millions of dollars in the bank. Oh, not millions of dreams. Oh, okay. I got it. And so it was interesting because I've read the book and I'm actually going back through and and going through it more more deeply, and the remix. Well, I was I actually tend to pass books along frequently, but it's one of those things to where I am actually circling back over and over and over again. And you, what you're making of, a wealth choice. I am making a wealth choice. And one of the goals of this book is how to turn, you know, essentially one time what he says quote to turn one time victims into victors and to transform the least and the lost into peak-performing, high-achieving men and women. And 
to me, it's one of those things to where... It's making a dollar out of 15 cents. Yeah, which is something that, in general, our people are very good at. I mean, part of so much of what you see, at least here in America and in the black diaspora, is people making amazing things from the scraps that are left to them. And so how do you do that uh, financially as well? He ends up talking about seven different laws of wealth creation, which I won't spoil. Go read the book. Give us three laws. Three laws, okay. Three of them are pretty straightforward. Um, The first of which... I think it's just more money, more money, more money, I think, are the three (laughs) laws. Part of it has to do with your mind and where you set your mind and where you aim your mind. The first law of wealth in the book, wealth begins in the mind but ends in the purse. And the second law plays on that same idea, is that you have to decide that you will not be poor. And I think, I'll even give you the third one, and then the rest, you have to go get the book, read it. So law number one, wealth begins in the mind but ends in the purse. Second law, decide that you will not be poor. Third law, believe in thyself when no one else will. If you just take even those three, you are head and shoulders above others in terms of achieving your own success and whatever you're trying to do. Because if you decide that you are not going to be poor in fill in the blank, I'm not going to be poor in relationships, poor in friends, poor in my activity, or poor financially, making that decision means you're not going to accept the status quo. You're not going to accept things the way they are. You're going to look to make a change and you're going to be more open. You're going to have opened your mind to making a change in whatever domain you want. And then realizing that so much of it depends on your attitude and so much of it depends on believing in yourself. And as he interviewed all these people, and I actually had a chance to hear him speak live to a group, really some of the commonalities that he found amongst those thousand people that he spoke to was simply almost like a dogged determinism. They were going to achieve They may or may not have known they were going to be wealthy, but they were not going to just let sort of the life happen to them. They were making a choice. They were making a direction. And I think that, yes, take the financial advice and take that all to the bank. But also, in terms of your life, if you decide that you're not going to accept the status quo, if you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to not just idly dream about it, but I'm actually going to make a choice and take steps, even if they're small steps, forward. Then you will move forward. And it's a great book. I've, I'm still circling back and dog-earing it. I've got like five books in rotation, but this is one that has stayed in my rotation to get different pieces out of. Love it. The Wealth Choice. Success Secrets of Black Millionaires. Yes. Love that choice. And you can find out more about uh, Dr. Kimbrough at DennisKimbroughSpeaks.com. That's D-E-N-N-I-S-K-I-M-B-R-O-S-P-E-K-S.com. Dennis Kimbrough Speaks. I love it when we're choosing together. Choosing is made for love. Choosing is made for love. I love it when we're choosing together. And as a, an aside, I have another one of his books. So I actually have three of his books. 
One he has, which is Daily Motivations for African-American Success. As a side note, it's actually a great book in terms of like, if you just need like something to pick you up, just something to read for a moment, just to kind of like give these little affirmations. So, I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. There are who could come up with the affirmations and I'm sure, and I mean, and I'm being very old school by saying, you know, pick up a book for your daily affirmations as opposed to turning on the latest TikTok reel for your affirmation. But what's funny about those I don't is think that, you can come more old school than Smokey Robinson. Right. <laughs> but I mean, but half the time for those little affirmations, it's someone holding up a post-it note with some, you know, some affirmation that you have to read anyway. So read the book. I sound, I sound like an old man. Get a book, kid. Read a book. I love it when we're choosing together. Choosing is played for love. Choosing is made for love. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about some amazing events, some amazing books, and maybe make some other great choices as well. Amen. Sky is wealth. Sky is Dennis Kimbrough. Sky is fierce. (laughs) Sky is black. I love it. I love it. I love it. Sky is fierce. The first annual Pan-African Food Festival will arrive in the summer of 2022. And for the first time ever, diners will enjoy a true Pan-African table with food and wine from places like Ethiopia, Jamaica, Morocco, New Orleans, Nigeria, Atlanta, Belize, New York, South Africa, Cuba, Brazil, Haiti, Kenya, Barbados, London, Egypt, Ghana, Senegal, and Puerto Rico. Every premier chef of African descent, along with restaurant owners, authors, bartenders, food critics, even YouTube stars, will be invited to participate in the tastiest, spiciest, most down-home and delicious food festival there has ever been. Sure, you've probably had soul food, but you've never, ever been to this flavor town. So join me as we organize step-by-step, chef-by-chef, a dinner party over a thousand years in the making. Sound like a good time? Somebody say the blessing. Welcome back to Sky is Black. Congratulations to the Yatreda team. Y-A-R-T-R-E-D-A. You don't know who your trader is. I don't know what the hell you're doing. I'm not sure what's happening with your life, but you can follow them on Twitter at your trader, Y-A-T-R-E-D-A. So, so many great events coming up. Yes. The National Organization of Minority Architects Conference is coming up in Nashville from October 26th to 30th. You can learn more at noma.net, N-O-M-A dot net. The Art of City Building Conference is happening on September 9th. Hello. It is free and taking right place. Yes, it is free and taking place in person and virtually. The Center for Black Literature's 20th Anniversary Jubilee will take place on October 20th at Medgar Evers College in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, stand up. The International Black Writers Festival will be taking place October 5th to the 8th. Clint Smith will be there. Sonia Sanchez will be there. What's up, Sister Sonia? The great Greg Carr will be there. Kianga Yamada Taylor. Haile Garima. Haki Matabuti. The Howard International Black Writers Festival 
is not playing. And you can learn more at huwritersfest.com, huwritersfest.com. And also coming up practically right now, and we've mentioned this before, is the Black Is Tech Conference. What up? Not only is it being held uh, in person in Atlanta, coming up September 12th through 16th, but also available virtually. There's going to be over 20,000 attendees, and there's going to be 150 speakers. Definitely check it out. Five full days. That's right. And that's Black is techconference.com that's right sky is black and black is tech and definitely got to give a shout out to my brother nathan oni who will be speaking at black is tech representing warner brothers mm-hmm. oni stand up nate dog stand up of course afrotech is coming up in november we'll talk about that when we get closer and pan africa con AI, Empowering Africa with AI, is coming up in Addis at the new Museum of Science and Technology, October 4th and 5th. So the conference will take place in person on October 4th, virtually on October 5th. And you can learn more about that at Pan-Africa AI, if you're on Twitter, Pan-Africa AI. No, no, no. Pan African AI. P A N A F R I C O N A I at Pan Africa Con. And you can go to Pan Africa, Pan African AI dot org to get more information. So we are super stoked about yes, this particular absolutely. event. Uh, so this is organized by the Ethiopian Artificial Intelligence Institute. You can learn more about them at AII dot ET, and they're going to be talking about a variety of things. So they're talking about AI in public services, AI in cybersecurity, AI in geographic information systems, AI in agriculture, AI in public health, AI in robotics and in finance. And so this is a big deal. So the prime minister of Ethiopia, Abiy Ahmed, he will be there. A lot of the major folks in Ethiopia will be at this conference. And so I don't know why we are not there. I'm not sure how this has we occurred. I'm not. Life is completely off the rails. I do not understand why we're not at this conference right now. So shout out to the great team at Flawless Events. Mm-hmm. They are often involved with some of the major gatherings in Addis, and we look forward to working with them, we hope, sometime next year. Yep. And while we're talking about Addis, got to point out that Mescal is coming up on September 27th. And, of course, the Great Ethiopian Run is coming up on November 20th. I also mentioned there is a great film called Ghost of Amistad that you are able to see online whenever the heck you want to. I so, love it. So Marcus Redeker, who's one of the OGs in African-American studies, he's at the University of Pittsburgh. So he made this documentary which is about the 1839 slave ship rebellion and how it's remembered in contemporary Sierra Leone. So he's made it free to watch. It is 56 minutes, and you can check it out at ghostsofamistad.com. And here's what Henry Louis Gates had to say about it. He said, this film 
is an ambitious and imaginative attempt to explore the impact of the Amistad mutiny and the repatriation of the brave Africans to their homes in Sierra Leone. It is of great interest to any student of slavery and the slave trade. In the spirit of Africatown, we say, check out Ghosts of Amistad. And I have to say this too, while we're talking black millionaires and money and other different things, before you see a damn thing, you need to check out the banker. I'm putting your A-double-S on notice right the frick now. All right. You tell, need tell to see this. the banker. Tell us more about this. I'm not going to give it away right now. So well, I want don't you to spoil see it, but just tell me a little bit more about why I should watch it. It's about two African-American bankers who took on the racism in the banking industry. I mm. won't tell you anything more than that. Okay. But as a son of a banker, you need to see it. It's on Apple TV. Do All not right. want to talk about it until you see it. So All right, I'll check you it definitely out. have to check it out. Someone who's building a millionaire mindset, this is your movie. And really, that's what we're talking about here is, is really having a mindset towards not just financial wealth, but cultural wealth. Bank Bring- account, rise up. <laughs> Bank account, rise up. But also wealth of other types, of, of relational wealth, of, of human wealth, helping us all move ahead. I mean, essentially, that is what we are focusing on, you know, the notion that any one person or any one group should be able to dominate another is it's just not right just plain rude <laughs> and, and not not welcome and rude and part of what we're celebrating here on this podcast is really those who are looking to level it out i mean when we talk about the road to wakanda when we talk about what it looks like and what it's going to be. It's not so much that we are anti anybody or that we are trying to like flip the script and say, okay, well now we're going to dominate or one other thing's going to dominate, but more that it's all going to be equally respected, equally cherished, equally valued, that, that all the contributions are going to be um, of merit. Allies to everyone, allies to all. And so here on Sky's Black, that's what we're doing. We're really focusing on artists, innovators, entrepreneurs, thought leaders of African descent, spanning the entire African diaspora. Please, we want your feedback. We want to hear from you. Please reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram at sky is underscore. B to the L to the C to the K. Same thing on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at sky is. No underscore. B to the L to the C to the K. You can also go to our website where we bought a vowel at skyisblack.com. You can email me at anton at skyisblack.com. You can email BC at bfrancisclark at skyisblack.com. So reach out to us, check out our website, and we are ever so thankful for all of you for listening to us here on Sky is Black, and we look forward to you tuning in again. We've got some wonderful interviews coming up. You can check out our past episodes be sure to check us all out. Once again, thank you again for listening. Sky is Amistad. Sky is Henry Louis Gates. He's awesome. Sky is black. Black is tech. Sky is... Sky is Addis. Sky is flawless. Sky is black. Sky is Africatown. There you go. Sky is black. <laughs>